My advice would be to be as involved as early as possible and spend as much time as you can with the product manager or your stakeholder, whoever that is, actually working together from day one and figuring out together what you want to build, why you're building this, who are you building it for. I think that's a really good way to gain their trust because then you know that you've like developed this together and it's a team effort and you're both on the same page and the same wavelength. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. I'm one of your hosts, Charlie. And I'm your other host, Femke. I love how cherry we sound this morning, even though it's like not even 8am. <laughs> and not even 7am for me. I know, crazy. Uh, okay, so today's episode, we are going to talk about stakeholder trust. So we got a question on Twitter asking if we have any tips for how to gain stakeholder trust. So we thought this is a pretty good topic to talk about, especially from a design perspective. Uh, you know, often you are working closely with a stakeholder as a designer, and usually the stakeholder kind of has the final decision maker uh, status sort of towards the end of a project. And so having their trust is pretty important, right? We're often working pretty closely with them and we want them sort of on our side to make sure that they're on the same page as us, understanding our design and our work and our decision making. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about how to make sure that you can gain their trust and work well and collaborate good together. But Before we get into it, it's been a little while actually since Charlie and I sat down to record because I've been away and I know you've been busy, Charlie, moving into your new apartment, which is super exciting. So I think it's a bit of a, we we need to set some time for some life updates and a bit of catch up. You want to tell us how you're going? I am going good. Um, Have been planning lots of travel upcoming in the following months. So like we probably should have organized our travel and like, you know, aligned it at the same time because it just makes things difficult for us, doesn't it? When we're both traveling at different times, but hey, we will manage. Um, Yeah, just been settling into the new flat, been really loving having my own like office room. It's just, it sounds ridiculous, but I can't even tell you how nice it is. Yeah, it sounds amazing. (laughs) Like to walk into a separate room to have my lunch or to make a cup of tea is like, what? Yeah, it's the small things, people. It's the small things. Um, what else have I been doing? Ooh, I designed a new landing page for our community. So that was fun. Um, in typical Charlie fashion, I designed it as part of a video that I was working on with Webflow. So I just really killed several birds with, with one stone there. Very but, smart. Yeah, we, we have a new page talking about our community, um, about its benefits, hearing from some people who are in it already and what they have to say about it. So if you want to check out my work, um, and please don't critique it too heavily, <laughs> but it is at designlife.fm slash community. I love it. It's so cool. I uh, only saw it for the first time five minutes ago, just before we recorded yep. this. Uh, and I loved it straight away. It looks so, so good. So it's definitely worth Check it out. Even if you're already a community member, go and have a look at it because it looks really, really awesome. Nice work. Oh, thanks, fam. I'm glad you like it. And I'm glad that you, like we have the kind of partnership where I can just put a whole part of our website live <laughs> without telling you. I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how about you? How's things going? Um, how are you feeling getting back to real life, I suppose, yeah. after this amazing trip you were on? Yeah. So I just spent the last three weeks in the US and a bit of Canada. So first I went to Portland, Oregon for XOXO festival slash conference. Uh, and it was 
really quite amazing. Uh, probably the best conference I have been to. Um, I got to meet so many other interesting, inspiring and super creative people. Like what I liked about this conference is that it it was for people who basically make things online. So you could be a designer or an engineer. You could be an artist, a photographer, a filmmaker, uh, a comic maker, a painter, like whatever, just anything that you like make and your output is kind of the internet. So it was super interesting to just hear from like all these different people like who do different things and have had different experiences and different perspectives um, was was really cool. It was kind of like being there was like one big internet hug in a way. Right. I, I don't know how, how else to better describe it, um, but it was cool. It, it, was, it was really, really nice. And also one of the most inclusive conferences and diverse conferences I've ever been to. Uh, I think there was only one white male speaker out of the whole Two days. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. It was it was amazing, and yeah, they were just super inclusive to everybody. Um, you know, addressed everybody with like gender neutral terms. Had gender neutral bathrooms. Like everything was was very well considered. So that was also really cool to to go to something like that where it was like extremely inclusive and extremely diverse. Was really refreshing. So yeah, that was that was super fun. I definitely want to try and go to that next year. Yeah, you you should. Anyone should actually. If you're listening, uh, they they they're planning to do it again next year. Uh, and usually it's uh, like an application process. It's kind of like a um, how do you call that? It's like a pool, right? Like so you apply and then they pull out. Uh, it's like a ballot. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Yes, yes. I think that's the word for it. Yeah. So so you apply and then they so they don't personally select people. It's it's done by a computer or whatever, but people get selected. The algorithm. The algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So definitely recommend to anybody uh, who makes stuff online or is a considers himself an internet creator to apply next year because it was so much fun. Oh, yeah. It looked amazing. I was feeling the FOMO from the tweets, that's for sure. It's for, yeah, definitely want to try and go next year. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So then after that, I uh, flew across the US to New York with my boyfriend Owen, and we picked up a little camper van and did a road trip for two weeks on the East Coast and went up into Canada, went to Montreal, to Toronto, and all through like upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. So yeah, it was really fun. It was like camping style. So we we had like a little, uh, like a camping stove in the back of the car and a little fridge in there. And every night we're like sitting by the campfire, drinking wine and like cooking this little camp meal. It was just really nice to be like completely disconnected. Like the US has really bad cell signal in rural areas. I think most people know this. Uh, so there was like no choice to be online, even if we wanted to, you know, we're completely disconnected. There's no cell ser- service. So it was just really nice way to unwind and relax. Um, and now I'm back home in Amsterdam as of two days ago. So still kind of recovering from jet lag, but it's also really good to be home. You know, when you're away for like three weeks, you kind of start missing the things about home and the familiarity. So it's nice to be back. Yeah. Things like your little cat. <laughs> I know my little cat. Yes. Um, he was happy to see us, which is super nice. I'm sure he was. Oh, so cute. Well, should we get into today's topic, which is one that we actually 
planned on recording before you went away, but I think I missed my alarm and slept in through our recording time. <laughs> things happen, things happen. Yeah, things happen. So it'll be good to talk about it now. So gaining stakeholder trust, like you said at the start, Fem, super important because stakeholders are the ones who basically decide if our designs go live or not. So you kind of want them on your side. I thought it might be good to start with talking about the types of stakeholders that we normally work with, because I'm pretty sure it'll be fairly common, I guess, um, for other people as well. So yeah, tell me about, about you. What kind of stakeholders are involved in your work outside of like your design manager, I suppose? Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, obviously like my design manager is a stakeholder for all of my work in a way, right? Um, like if if he's not happy with the quality of work or the level or, or whatever, then he obviously has the authority to put a stop on the train tracks, so to speak. Um, luckily that hasn't happened, which is good. Um, but more, more directly, um, probably my closest stakeholder that I have is my product manager. So I work on the program team called Cash, and we work on cash payments, uh, which is mostly in markets like Latin America and India and the Middle East where you can actually pay for your Uber ride with cash. And so I have a product manager um, that is, she's like full-time on on the cash team like I am. And she is my most like direct stakeholder that I work with the closest. And because she's kind of the decision maker of projects relating to our program uh, she often has like the authority or like the final word I guess to say what is going to be included in the product or what's not going to be included in the product or like she sort of uh, sets like the goals and the things we need to achieve and the milestones that we need to make um, so she's definitely an important person and an important stakeholder that I work with most closely and then she obviously has her own stakeholders above her, right? So there's people above her that um, are her stakeholders. I don't work with them directly, so I'm sort of just on her level with her. Uh, and she kind of, I guess, also communicates anything coming from above that we also need to consider, if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. So do you find yourself in a situation then when you're getting feedback secondhand? Like, I've had this before, and... I hate working like that because like I want to be able to ask follow-up questions to the feedback. Um, and, and yeah, it, that can be hard to do when the person bringing it to you isn't the one who had that feedback. So they're just like saying, no, no, they just said to do this. And I'm like, but, but, but why? And like, how about this? And, and yeah. I don't feel like I've had that experience directly, but there have been times, I guess, where like, changes have come into effect because of something higher up that's not like directly related to us or our team in any way and so it's just kind of trickling down and affecting lots of different teams um and so sometimes that's something that can like come up in the middle of a project where we have to oh consider this new thing that's coming out so we didn't know about that before but now we know it's coming we also need to consider that in our experience for example yeah for sure yeah that sounds more like um like business changes sort of thing that that gets fed down to you so that's fair enough like you know you don't have the control to no. run over. <laughs> yeah exactly it's more like changes in a strategy or like a new product suddenly is you know being worked on and so we need to consider those things as well right because they might have a touch point in the thing that we're working on or 
it's changing the strategy for some reason. So it's more like those kind of things can sometimes happen. Generally, yeah, I don't think it's happened where something has come from like above that I then haven't had direct communication with. However, we have had it where something has come from the side, if that makes sense. So like, for example, if the product I'm working on has a touch point on a different part of the app that is owned by a different team, right, then they will also be a stakeholder on just on that particular project. So then um, we also review the work with them uh, to make sure that they're aware that like, hey, we're working on this thing and it's going to touch your you know, thing over here to make sure that, you know, they're aligned and we're sort of implementing correctly how it should be and not sort of breaking any design rules or whatever. And sometimes I've been in a situation where that sidestep, maybe something comes from, from those stakeholders on the side that say, well, well, actually, you know, it it doesn't work. We don't want it to work this way. Like our principles are this. So can we make sure that, you know, just things like that could come up from the side. Um, But we usually all all figure it out. It hasn't been conflicting. That's good. Yeah. So I I think that my first, like, I guess, tip to share within this episode is to always be making sure that when you are getting feedback, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth so that you can ask follow-up questions and have that discussion, like you just said, with the people when it comes from the side, that you can talk about it and like figure it out together. If, if that had been fed from someone else and you were just being told, no, you've got to change it, then that's kind of like, well, I don't really understand the reasons that I'm making this change, so how am I supposed to design for that? So, yeah, always make sure you're getting the feedback from the person who has it, I suppose. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good tip. Uh, What about you? Do you want to share uh, who are your stakeholders and who do you work with closely? Yeah. So in a small company, like I share my working designs, like when I've got for feedback, I just share them basically with the whole company. Anyone can take a look at them and dive in. But stakeholders on the project, I would say are usually like the marketing team um, in general will have, will have good thoughts and opinions that I want to hear. Our marketing director will be a stakeholder for sure. And then I suppose our whole leadership team, if any of them like have an opposing view of something that I'm creating, then that's going to like, you know, I'm going to need to take action on that. So yeah, any of the other directors and our CEO, obviously um, being in a small company, you do work directly with the CEO, which is perhaps different from larger companies. Uh, yes. <laughs> Although when I was at zero, sometimes I did have Rod Jury, who was the CEO back then as a stakeholder on projects and he would like be coming in and and giving his thoughts and something that I noticed in doing that, like I don't so much do this at ConvertKit. I feel like because we're smaller, we're a lot closer and you know, you can kind of just treat everyone equally, but in situations where it's a bigger company and someone has like so much more like authority in like the traditional business sense, do you know what I'm saying here? I'm trying to get out, but um, I would present work very differently to Rod than I would to like my design lead, for example. Um, Cause it's, I know that a, first of all, a different level of quality is required to present something to Rod. Like I would never want to show him my working designs. I don't want him to question, you know, if, if I can do my job correctly by showing <laughs> something that is, isn't good enough yet. What is this gray box? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas I feel like at ConvertKit, I can show designs at any stage and, and it'll be fine probably also because our CEO is a designer. So that helps. 
but yeah, I've, I found that there is differences in, in how you present work to different stakeholders to, yeah, increase their trust in you, I suppose, and, and their trust in you to do the job. Yeah, definitely. We have um, this thing internally. So if you are working on something related to the driver app, then there is a stakeholder um, that essentially like your work should be reviewed by this person. So they make sure that like they see everything before it goes into the app. So it's just, you know, so that they can make sure that like it's, how it should be and consistent and going to fit in well with the current experience and things like that. It's kind of like a gatekeeper, I guess, right? So we have that set up where it's quite a formal process. So there is like a whole sort of document that you need to fill out to like prepare. And then typically you'll create like a nice presentation. So it's kind of like a, yeah, it's not really a design review or anything. It's more like a presentation to sort of get your work across the line when you're sort of at the final stage. Um, so I understand what you're saying there. Like, I guess my example is this, where if I just want to present to my product manager, then, you know, I definitely have had times where she sits next to me at my desk and I'm showing her in figment. It's a bit more informal, you know, we're sort of working and really collaborating together on that level. But if I'm like presenting to this driver, like key stakeholder to, you know, try and get my work across the line and actually get into the app, then it's definitely more of a like formal process, right? So I guess that's another tip is to kind of consider who you're presenting your work to or who who the stakeholder is um, and what authority they have. And keep that in mind when presenting your work, right? Like if you're doing, like if you're presenting to the CEO, then yeah, maybe don't share your Figma file, um, but put a little bit more effort into doing like a proper presentation and taking them through the whole story. And I think doing that, especially like maybe this is for different stages of the project too. Like when you're right at the end, you do not want to give them any reason to make changes, right? (laughs) You were happy with it. That's why you're presenting it. So you want to basically show your work in its best light. So the more effort you put into the presentation, the more polished and like finished that it looks, I think the less likely they will be to make changes to it. Cause when, when something seems like it's still in flux, like when it's still a work in progress, um, I think people are more likely to give feedback on little details just because they know that, oh, this isn't done yet. So now is the time to say these things and like, oh, maybe this hasn't been worked out yet so I can mention it. So yeah, making the whole product look more finished when you're at the end and presenting it will probably decrease your, your need to make changes. At least I would hope. Yeah, I think so. I think also like for me thinking back to a project I've been working on is like I've been working on a really big project it's taken about a year so I I guess the benefit of that is that my product manager and I have had a year to get to know each other Um, like we've been spending a lot of time together and like getting really close and and deep onto the the problem and and the product and the project and what we're trying to solve and I think like my advice would be to spend a lot of time with them at the beginning. Um, I think often like in big organizations, it's probably different for you, Charlie, but I've, I've heard a lot in big organizations that unfortunately it can be that the designer misses out at the very early stage of the process. Like, you know, the product manager um, basically just writes up a brief and you get given that and 
that's what you have to do, right? My advice would be to be as involved as early as possible and spend as much time as you can with the product manager, actually, or or your stakeholder, whoever that is, um, actually working together from day one and figuring out together what you want to build, why you're building this, who are you building it for, and really spending that time figuring that out like the both of you and and even possibly like an engineering manager or something if that's also relevant I think that's a really good way to gain their trust because then you know that you've like developed this together and it's a team effort and you're both on the same page and the same wavelength and you're not just getting like a brief or or a or a PRD like thrown on your desk and you're like okay cool I, I guess this is what I'm doing now you know what I mean Totally. Wait, first I have a question. What's a PRD? Oh, a uh, product requirements document. <laughs> okay, cool. Good to know. Adding something new. Yes. So uh, to your overall point, I completely agree for the same reasons that I think you should be the one hearing the feedback so that you can ask questions and dig deeper and make sure like, like clarify so that you can really understand um, where they're coming from the feedback. It's the same thing with the brief. Like you really need to understand the brief to actually design something to solve the problem Um, and that involves asking questions and I think especially so the process at ConvertKit is a lot more informal like then I would never get a formally written up brief right like that wouldn't happen so for me getting on a call with the stakeholder of the project like whoever is needing this thing that I'm doing and talking to them about it is so useful because People will try and be helpful and tell you, hey, this is the exact like deliverable that I need, you know, but that might not actually be the best answer to their problem. So I want to always make sure that I'm starting with the problem. Like, what are we trying to do here? Okay, then yes, what you're asking for is the right solution. So I'm going to go ahead and, and make that or actually maybe this, this thing would be different. And I think that actually really helps with getting the stakeholder to trust you because you're taking the time to understand their problem and like you're treating it as important, right? That, that you're wanting to dig deep on it and get on a call with them about it. Um, I think they, they really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, include them as much as possible, I think. Right. Um, they will definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm definitely more of a fan of like including them in the process and iterating and working out issues together. And, and luckily I, I work with a stakeholder that's very open to doing that. Um, I know not everybody is, um, but I, I feel like that route is so much better than the route of like designing in the dark and kind of sharing your work every second week or something. You know, you don't want to be in a position where you're spending a lot of time working on something that you're not sure about only to present it and learn that, you know, it's it's not going to work that way or whatever. Um, so I try to include my stakeholders as much as possible throughout the process and, and luckily they're available to do so. So that's been really helpful for me in making sure that we're always on the right page and working on the right issues and focusing on the right priorities and things like that. Do you find that your stakeholders have quite a good knowledge of the design process. I'm just thinking like being at Uber, they probably do. So like if they saw something they would be able to, that wasn't finished, they would be able to know what to look for and know what not to worry about essentially. Like, don't worry, this isn't finalized. Cause I've definitely had, like haven't been able to share the iteration process with stakeholders before because basically it would worry them if I did. Like, oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, like if I shared work, 
that wasn't quite finished just to show where I was at, they would be like, oh, but what about this? And it's not doing this and it doesn't have this yet. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's, it's coming, you know? So I found it easier in some situations and in previous roles to just share when I know that I'm happy with it and that I'm ready for feedback or that I have specific questions for them. Mm, Yeah. I think like I'm, I'm pretty lucky that the stakeholder that I work with now has a, or at least an understanding of design so she really values the experience and you know is willing or sometimes not willing to make trade-offs to the experience uh, to make sure we meet other criteria for example so she's always considering like you know if if something comes in that we need to make sure that we you know that, that our product achieves x she's always like well do we want to compromise the experience in order to achieve X, like, is that a worth, worthy trade-off? So I really appreciate that, that she has an understanding of that and at least considers like how, um, yeah, the value of the experience, I guess, in the design and how, if we change that, how that might trickle out or influence other parts of the, of the product, right? But I have also worked briefly with stakeholders that don't have that understanding of design or like haven't worked on user uh, user fronting is that the right word like user-centered products before but worked more back-end stuff um so if you're working with a stakeholder like that who hasn't really been in a position where they've worked on a user-centered focused whatever um, project where it's like actually in front of the user and there's like a visual experience to it I think that can be a bit more challenging because they might not have that direct like empathy about the experience and might just make decisions based on data for example and that can be a lot harder well michael actually had a question about this i'm not sure if this came from our community or from twitter but it's a good question so i'm going to read it out he says how do you ensure stakeholders feedback is focused on improving for users and not just for the business needs it's it's hard i i think like yeah it it really depends on who the stakeholder is like i've had experience with both with where one like really cares about the experience and the other, you know, not as much or is more more focused on the business needs. So it, it is really a balance. And I think if you're working with a stakeholder that maybe is more focused on the business side and doesn't really have any focus on the user experience or the design, then it's going to be tough. But I think it's going to be your job to try and convince them or Uh, help them to understand like, okay, well, I understand that we have business need X and I understand that if we change A, we could better achieve business need X. But also if we change A, then it's going to, you know, influence, you know, design decision B, you know, like really make sure that you can explain to them that it's not as easy as just changing something in the design to achieve a business need. Like that could have other ripple effects. It could maybe affect other business needs or business goals. Um, and it might not be worth the trade-off to be honest. Like sometimes it's, sometimes it's not worth changing the design to achieve a business need. I don't know. It, it depends. So just keep that in mind as well and try to explain to them that, it's, it's not all just about making sure the design fits all of the business needs because maybe you make all these changes and it becomes a really, really difficult design to use. And so then people will not use it and then you won't achieve the business need anyway. Um, so you have to find that line as well. Yeah, for sure. I found that you kind of have to become a stakeholder as well in your design. Uh, you know, as the designer, you are kind of the voice for the user. Um, and you should use that voice basically. 
and speak up and not just wait for feedback to come to you, but not be afraid to share your own opinions as well. Like you said, explain why you think that's a bad decision. Don't just blindly go and do it just because the stakeholder told you to. I think that they'll respect you a lot more actually if you do challenge them and yeah, bring that to the table. Uh, another person, Ika, uh, gave some advice to treat your stakeholders like you would treat your users, like studying them and understanding them. Um, and I found that really understanding how a stakeholder, a stakeholder's brain works and like what they relate to can help you in situations like this when you're having to convince them of something, basically. So like I, I remember there was one that I'd worked with at Zero who really responded to research. So if I could just find some article online that backed up what I was saying, like um, people do scroll on a website. We don't have to have absolutely every single thing <laughs> above the fold. My favorite. You know, found a, an article about that, sent it through and they were like, okay, yeah, yeah, I see this is like how things work now. I'm like, oh, thank God. You know? <laughs> so yeah, understanding what they respond to. So that mean, might mean you make some mistakes to start with, right? And that some projects go through that you aren't quite happy with because you hadn't figured out yet exactly how to be heard and how to have them like listen to your opinions essentially. And also it takes time to build trust. Like, yeah, it, it just takes time. So that's all right if you don't win everything straight away. But yeah, I think to answer Michael's question about being focused on users, not just the business is that you kind of have to be that voice for the user. And that also if possible, if, if this is a, an option to you, to bring in a stakeholder who you know is more focused on the users. For example, right now at ConvertKit, we're designing uh, a new homepage and, and been building that out. And I've been trying to loop in our sales team a lot because they deal one-on-one -on -one directly, like doing the job essentially that the homepage is trying to do also, right? It's trying to be, it's trying to educate people about our product. It's trying to sell them on signing up to it, which is what the sales team do. So they have a lot of empathy for our users and for our like future customers. So getting them involved and asking for them, their thoughts on it, even if they're not essentially a stakeholder, but it can help me in convincing stakeholders of things, right? So like, if we have a differing opinion, myself and a stakeholder, I can say, well, the sales team told me this and that's why I made this decision because, you know, they know that our customers will do this. Then again, that's something to back up my opinion um, and convince the stakeholder to trust me essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. We also had some advice from Bindu who says, having a good idea of who all the stakeholders are can serve to be very useful in a project. They bring in a lot of contextual knowledge, which can be leveraged. Just today, I made a list of questions I could ask during my meetings. So I think that's worthwhile as well. Obviously, you want to know uh, who they are. And I like also uh, their point about making a list of questions. Like if you know the context of who the stakeholders are, then you can make sure that any questions you have are directed to the right person, which I think is super valuable, saves time and also shows like your uh, interest, I guess, in, in the project and your willingness to make sure that you're serving, you know, or solving the right problems and considering the, the direct and specific needs of the different stakeholders. For sure, I think that goes such a long way with trust because they'll the stakeholder will feel like, oh, this person actually knows why I'm involved in this project and what I most care about. And they're asking me specifically about it so I know that they care about it too. Um, I'll do things like that where I'll share a project and be like, hey, this is getting near the end. Um, you know, tag this person, 
can you check out the tracking that we have on this and make sure that it suits your needs for our analytics? Like bring that up. I know that when I shared it, they probably would have checked that anyway, but just by saying it, it shows that I care about that too. And I understand that that's important to them. And so that's important to me as well, because they are a stakeholder. We also had Laura write in and say that something she's struggled with is having issues where things are like being changed last minute or like there's too many cooks in the kitchen sort of thing, too many pe- people involved wanting to like give their thoughts. And as the designer, you're kind of feeling like, oh, I've got to like listen to all of this. I'm going to make like a Frankenstein now. <laughs> she says it's very, very important to define who is responsible for the project and who has the final word. Yeah. I totally agree with this. I think this should be done up front. Like you need to know who has the final sign off on this. And I suppose in my company, like the way that works would be Nathan would have final sign off. So like if he had something to say after we'd done something, like I would need to make changes based on what he was saying, you know, Um, because he's the CEO. So fair enough. But otherwise, um, yeah, it would be my marketing director would be the one who has the final word. Usually, to be honest, they just let me do what I think is best. Like they'll give (laughs) feedback on the way, but I haven't really had a, yeah, a need to have someone who has the final word Actually, you know what? I take that back. I have. It's really handy to have someone to go to when you say, hey, I'm, we need a decision made like now or we're going to miss this deadline. Can you just tell me which of these things I should listen to? That is so handy, like for decisions throughout the project, not just at the very end, like giving the sign off. Interesting. I feel like this is a skill that every designer just needs to learn how to do. You know, sometimes you might get feedback from your design team members, like your peers in a design review, and you might not agree with that feedback. Uh, So, you know, learning how to acknowledge and accept, you know, like thank them for their feedback and, you know, maybe you're going to consider it, maybe you're not. I feel like when you're early in your career, it's very easy to just like say yes and do everything, like take in all the feedback and implement it all to make everybody happy. You know, you don't want to, it's, it's hard at that stage, I think, to say no and to try and like be authoritative and, and an owner of your work. So I think that's just like a skill as a designer you need to learn over time of like who to listen to, I suppose. And like, like you said earlier, be your own stakeholder, you know, it's, it's your work and your job isn't just to like do all the requests that everybody or or incorporate all of the feedback that you have from every single person, every opinion on your work. You know, your job is really to incorporate the best feedback and make decisions on what is worth and what isn't worth doing. So I think that's something that, you know, you learn a bit over time and is really hard to do at the beginning of your career. But yeah, I think that's a good skill as a designer to learn in general. Yeah. And this comes back to who who was it? I think it was um, Bindu's advice of like knowing who the stakeholders are. So like who's a stakeholder and who's just a passerby sharing their opinion, basically. Yeah. Because you should weight that feedback differently, depending on if they're a stakeholder or not. Totally. This was a good episode, I think. This is a different thing to talk about, like very business heavy, but I think it's good because a lot of us designers end up in this situation. So yeah. All right, before we sign off, I want to share a podcast review that we got. Ooh, yay. So this is a review by Fern. Thank you, Fern. And here's what they said. It's been more than a year since I decided to give this podcast a try, and I can positively say it was one of the best choices I've ever done. The hosts have such a charismatic way of approaching each and every intricate topic and challenges that Design Life covers weekly. 
This is the place where I get most of the insights that enlighten my journey as a design student, which ended up sparkling my crescent love for tech. <laughs> the hosts are open to sharing their feelings and struggles throughout their career, and most importantly, showing the entire process and not just the fancy highlights. It's worth mentioning that these inspiring women have got a lovely Kiwi accent that makes the listening experience even more enjoyable, lol. <laughs> I love that I like I think the Kiwi accent is so awkward so I love that for some people it's like a positive thing I know I, I I'm sure that there's been people who have stopped listening because of our accent there has to be I know yeah <laughs> we're <surely>. sorry <laughs> oh, well we can't help it like what are we gonna do but thank you Fern for this lovely review it was yeah. it was very nice if you listening have enjoyed the show then please do consider leaving us a review it really helps us get the show out there and also you know people considering listening to the show read the reviews and that'll help them make the decision on whether this podcast is right for them yeah, and it's just fun to hear what people think as well. It's like a nice way to get feedback. I personally don't know how to check our podcast reviews, so it's always fun for me when Finn reads one out <laughs> on the show. <laughs> All right, we mentioned at the start uh, our community that I'd recently designed this new landing page for, so please do go check that out. It is a monthly membership to a community chat. There is resources, there is live streams. There's just a lot of great people in there, and we would love to have you be a part of that if you're not already, so that's designlife.fm slash community sign up for just the low low price of nine dollars a month but yeah if anything just go check out the page that i designed yes please put, do. put some appreciation yeah. to my work, please. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not ready to join the community but want to have casual discussions with us occasionally then you can follow us on twitter we are at design life fm we are definitely not as active on twitter as we are in the community uh apologies about that um yes ironic because i'm very active on my own personal twitter yeah. like 24 7 so yeah my bad <laughs> so our bad um but that is a good place to leave questions or if you have a request for a show topic um then just give us a shout on twitter sounds good all right fam have a good week hope you recover from the jet lag fast thank you you too catch you later see ya bye